Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Watchman. We are sounding the alarm for the peril and the uncertainty that lie ahead, folks. The Watchman on the wall's commitment for the objective truth will call out whenever we see those that live in the fifth dimension attempt to put feelings and emotions in front of facts and truth, folks. We will do that. And we do that because we will always call out the real motives of those living in the land of unlimited imaginations. And we do that by expounding on the underreported facts. Today, we are back with Annette Baker. Annette Baker is our environmental science expert, homeschool teacher, and just all-around great person. She's running for the state Senate candidate spot uh, for Judy Schwenk in the Senate uh, 11th District in Reading. And uh, I think she can uh, think she can beat her. I think Annette knows that she knows that because she's out actually talking to people. Uh, we're going to beat Marxist Judy Swank, and uh, you might have seen Annette's billboard. Uh, it's over there by the mall in Reading. If you're by that area, you'll see it up there, and you'll see her. Uh, but anyway, um, it's great having you back on the show, Annette. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, thanks for being here. And I got to tell you, uh, we are inviting Judy Swank, but Judy Swank seems to be running the drif- uh, different directions from us, isn't she, Annette? It sure seems that way. Uh, we haven't heard from her yet, so I guess we'll uh, continue to wait and uh, see what transpires in the next, well, she's got 57, 56 yep. days, something like that, under 60 for sure, um, yep. days until uh, until we're at the uh, election. So we've got some time, but it, it is going by quickly. Yes, and we appreciate it. So we have an open invitation. We'd like to discuss issues with Judy Schwank right here on our show uh, with Annette. So uh, letting everyone knows that anyone that knows her that might be listening to our show, please let her know that. All right, Annette, I want to chat with you a little bit about the World Health Organization or the the Chinese Health Organization, otherwise known as, or aka World Health Organization, where we had a uh, communist from, uh, I think it was uh, Ethiopia, I think it's the communist, Dr. Tedros, uh, as the director general, okay. But anyway, the the Trump administration is formally moving forward with pulling out of the Chinese health organization. Okay. Now we spent almost one billion dollars here supporting this organization, and it was complicit in helping the narrative, helping the narrative of the Chinese Communist Party. That's what I want to make sure we're clear on this. You see, the Chinese communists were uh, were um, declaring there were no human-to-human transfers when they themselves were limiting flights and travel from the Hubei province and the city of Wuhan. So they knew that there were human-to-human transfer, but they were lying about it. Now, again, this is the year 9400, I believe, and seven or something like that um, in the, on the Chinese calendar. 9400, I believe, in seven. Otherwise, it's it's also known their their mythology, uh, their their mythical creature, if you will, their their the year of the rat. I don't know how you call it, but basically, this is the Chinese year of the rat, and uh, they released this virus. They knew it was contagious. Everyone in the world knows it was contagious, and they know everyone in the world knows that they knew it was contagious. They released this, and they were lying to the to the world. They were lying. Uh, they were declaring that there was no human-to-human transfer when they themselves were limiting flights and travel from the Bay province. Folks, they knew it was contagious. The Taiwanese government 
informed the Chinese health organization that this was in fact contagious before the director general of the Chinese health organization, Dr. Tedros, before he visited China. You see, Dr. Tedros never compelled the Chinese communists to come clean on it. He never pressed to even discuss anything with the scientists from the virology lab in the city of Wuhan. That's a fact, folks. Okay, so Dr. Tedros and the Chinese health organization did not compel to talk to these scientists that knew there was human-to-human transfers here. They, they just didn't do it. He left there saying that this wasn't contagious. So Dr. Tedros, the communist, okay, I believe that uh, was leading the, the Chinese health organization. I believe he's from Ethiopia, I believe, but he's a communist. And uh, he basically, I guess he's, you know, he, um, he just basically denied it was contagious. And then he came out and, I mean, he... Then he came out and said it was when the Chinese, three days after the com, the final night of the year of the rat celebration, the Chinese came out three days later and said, oh, by the way, this is contagious. And then the Chinese health organization came out and Dr. Tedros came out and said, oh, yeah, this is contagious. But in the meantime, Trump's notifying the world that we're stopping travel from China because Trump saw the contradiction to China. He didn't trust them. And he knew they were lying. So he restricted travel from China more than normal. So Trump stops the travel ban. He stops travel from China. Dr. Tedros, the communist, criticized Trump, saying that restricted travel travel to China was an overreaction and unnecessary. That's right. Dr. Tedros said that, folks. Okay. And Joe Biden, believe it or not, in the end, America Democrats took the side of Dr. Tedros and declared Trump was acting as a racist against the Chinese. I mean, Annette, isn't this beyond the pale, Annette, that the Chinese health organization was supported by the Democrats in Congress? Yeah, it's astounding to me that, you know, they they actually, um, you know, and, and both you and I have talked about the uh, the number of clips that we've seen where they were saying that, you know, the president was racist by closing down uh, flights coming into the United States from China, um, that it was a racist move and that people should go to Chinatown and celebrate um, the Chinese New Year out in California with with uh, Nancy Pelosi. <clears throat> and then to turn around and say, well, you know, he's racist. Well, now they're saying he didn't close things down fast enough. They can't they can't get it straight because they're so busy trying to spin this to make Trump look bad that the facts don't even line up. And they don't they don't even care anymore whether or not they get caught lying because they know the media will cover them. It's it's unbelievable. Well, we've caught them here on The Watchmen, haven't we, Annette? Yeah, absolutely. We've caught them lying. We've called them out on that. They're calling them out lying. They're liars. Okay, look, Nancy Pelosi went to Chinatown in San Francisco declaring to the public to come to Chinatown and celebrate the Year of the Rat. Enjoy the food in the town. And the communist Dr. Tedros was complicit to spreading the lie from the communists and Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and the rest of the end America fake news and the, and the, the propaganda the Democrats are all taking the side of the complicit communist party in china and communist dr tedros and the chinese health organization so i mean that's what i'm seeing in that 
I mean, I, I mean, they were just complicit in all of this. Nancy Pelosi's out there saying, come to Chinatown and celebrate. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. leaving this organization is huge. I think Trump's doing the right thing. Yeah, I would agree. I think, uh, you know, they've definitely shown that they are not willing to put true safety first. Um, you know, if they really cared uh, in terms of, of making sure that they um, – that they put out sound scientific evidence, excuse me, they would have been very, very clear about what was going on in China without covering things up. And the only reason they actually came clean was because people started figuring out that things weren't adding up, that there were more people that were sick, excuse me, in China than were being reported on. And, you know, thank God for social media. That's the one thing that at this point, you know, we have the ability to challenge the narratives that are put out by the mainstream media people who want to provide cover for a lot of these folks. Um, you know, it's one of the things that a lot of people have been fighting for is to keep social media active and uncensored in the sense of, um, you know, not fitting one particular narrative. And I think that's very important because that's that we would not have known anything about what was going on in China for a very long time without the use of social media. I think you're right. I think what's really compelling on this is, look, China was was determined to lock down our economy. Look, we are in an economic war with China. I mean, this is an economic war, folks. Make no mistake about it. The Chinese were losing terribly. The Chinese economy was on flat down mode. Okay, they were on life support. They were down like 65, 70 percent to where they were five years ago. Their economy is crashing and burning like a Japanese zero in the side of an aircraft carrier in World War Two. Okay, they're just going down hard and fast. Now, they're watching their economy crash. They're watching ours ex- expand. Our economy expanded Three times, folks, three times what the economy expanded under Biden and and Obama. The annual expansion under Trump was three times the annual expansion under Biden and Obama. Folks, make no mistake, that's really the truth. That's what happened. People know this. The Chinese knew it. And that's why they enacted, I believe that's why they they mistakenly Made the mistake that, la- that that caused this virus to get out of and escape this virology lab in Wuhan. I personally think it was a deliberate act, but there are others that just claim it was a mistake. But the reason I believe it was deliberate was because not only did they limit China, not, uh, travel within China itself, out of the city of Wuhan in the Hubei province, they did limit that. But they always do limit travel anyway. They're very they're very good that way, keeping their their, their, their country's subjects, okay, um, under the thumb of the oppressive communist rule by not letting them leave their house or their neighborhood without permission. So that's not really the telling point, although that is telling. But the real thing is the fact there were two things. The fact that they released the information that this was human-to-human transferable three days after the, the year of the rat celebration ended after they knew this virus was seeded around the world. And then secondly, they cornered all the world's PPE supply. They bought it all. They went through when they knew this was contagious, contagious, and they bought all the PPEs from around the world. 
They cornered the market, folks. That's what they did. So they knew they were going to release the virus. They knew it was transferable. And then they went and cornered the market on PPEs. That's the real evidence to me that they knew what they were doing. They kept them for their for their citizens and the world struggled. But what Trump did was really remarkable because Donald Trump was able to activate our economy and our private industry and develop that partnership and activate an incredible achievement unlike anyone's ever seen in peacetime anywhere. Uh, we actually built up an, a, a huge supply of PPEs, including ventilators, okay, including ventilators, respirators, and everything else. We developed a huge supply to the point where we became a chief exporter. Now, the real, the real miracle on all of this, Annette, is that he did this in about 60 days. Am I right, Annette? That's, that's right. I mean, yes, it was an amazing effort. We we did all of that together the way he did. And the fake news is missing that all together. But why would China do that, Annette? Is it because they fear that our economy is going to allow us to supply our military? I mean, why are they doing this? Is it the big because they know the value of a strong economy? Oh, definitely. I mean, they began to see and and we have to remember what was happening around that time as well. The president was already implementing tariffs that were hurting the, it was hurting the Chinese economy already. And those tariffs um, are not going to be going away anytime soon. And I think what happened was they, they needed something that would be able to draw our attention elsewhere. And this virus provided just that diversion. In my opinion, oh. it, it just it was one of those things where it was like, yep, that is exactly what we need to do. Well, economies are the lifeblood and the engine of a country and provide the country the ability to build and maintain the best military anywhere. China wants world domination. That's what they want. China's they already have the world's largest Navy. That was just announced. China saw their economy on life support with Trump's tariffs and trade deals, and they saw the jobs coming back. They saw the growth and expansion of our economy. So they released a plague, okay? And again, they, they did this so that, and then they, they put the fear out there with some of their, their moles and the CDC and whatnot, and they convinced Americans that this was an incredibly scary thing. I mean, whatever. They, they just knew that by doing this that the Americans would shut down the economy, but it was only to flatten the economy. So we all believe this is going to be 60 days at the most. And once the PPEs were built and everything was established and the hospitals started getting what they needed and doctor's offices, emergency rooms started getting the PPEs they needed. And, of course, the, the public and the guys started getting the PPEs they needed. Once all that happened, we began to flatten the curve, if you will, of the infection rate. And But that, that turned to flatten the economy. Look, the Chinese are looking to have the number one military and dominate to dominate and influence the world. That's what they want. They want to replace the international order as we know it. They want to use their military strength to do this. Make no mistake about this, folks. The Chinese do not have our best interest in mind. I mean, Annette, do you agree? Oh, yeah. They they definitely do not want to see a strong America That's because, right. uh, you know, knowing that we have strength, um, to be energy independent, to be able to provide our own goods and services within the United States as opposed to importing everything, um, that is that is definitely not in their interest. 
um, it's, it's definitely in their interest to make sure that, that we are a weaker nation, not a stronger one. Well, and that's another reason I think Biden wants to, uh, to, to create jobs in China. I think he's, I think he's invested in this. I think a lot of these companies are invested. I think, uh, we were looking at, uh, I, I look at some of the pictures online. When you open up the search engines, you see some of these pictures. There was one picture online about a week or two ago that had buildings in Shanghai, Shanghai, China that were above the, above the cloud line. And you can actually see these buildings in China and they were marvelous, magnificent buildings. And they were sitting above the cloud lines. And I told my wife, I called her over to see these offices up here. And I pointed to all those offices at the top of those buildings above the clouds. And I said, these are the offices of the people who rule the world. This is where the money is. This is who really controls Joe Biden politicians right there. And they don't control Trump. And that's what they hate about him. That's what they hate about him. Trump does not need their money for control. What's really interesting is Trump is a rarity because Trump doesn't need their money. They use money and power to influence. They got into Biden by giving Biden's son a job, didn't they, Annette? Absolutely. To me, that was, you know, it was interesting. I was actually uh, reading an article a couple weeks ago, and I think it said that there were six different members of Congress whose family members, children, all have gotten jobs in the energy industry in China or in, in Europe. And a lot of them have no experience whatsoever in any of those industries. So it's very interesting that, that all of a sudden they got, you know, those jobs and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, maybe it's coincidence. Could be. Uh, maybe. Come on, Annette. You don't see that. You don't see that as coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm going to be honest. Let's be honest with our listeners because you and I are friends. We both don't. We both know different, mm-hmm. don't we? Yeah. <laughs> this was not a coincidence. <laughs> I mean, uh, folks, make no mistake. China wants to end this country. They they want to dominate. And they know that Trump is building a broad coalition of countries to stand up to their aggression. They know this. And they're afraid of this. Look, they know that Trump's unpredictable, but they can't control Trump. Why does why do these Republicans like Jeff Flake? Why do they support Joe Biden or, or John Kasich? What is it? Is it because they support Biden's policies or they just hate Trump and they can't control him? Because why do they hate Trump? Because they can't control him. Every one of these politicians, it's interesting. When you look at people that get elected to some of these offices. They're they're into these positions. It's money that comes in and starts to influence them. These people start voting a certain way because they're given money. They're given power. Money is the power. Money is the power to serve. Money is the power to live better. Money is the power to move the decisions of lawmakers. Well, Trump doesn't need more money. Trump's got so much money that his problems that most most people have problems. Well, Trump has so much money, he doesn't have problems. He has he has attitudes. <laughs> you know, they can't control him. And I think that's one thing. Look, I mean, when you look at me, why does Joe Biden want to end our suburbs? And that what is it about Joe Biden? Why does he want? Why does he want to basically uh, take over the zoning rules in these towns to allow? a certain type of housing to be developed in the suburbs. Why is he looking to do that, Annette? 
Well, do you want the cynical version or the, <laughs> well, I mean, it's shared misery for all. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's really, it goes back to the agenda 21 of the United Nations. Um, they want to restructure uh, societies across yeah. the planet, basically, but particularly here in the United States. And a lot of that is because they want, you know, it's the redistribution of wealth, right. um, which is really what, you know, the, the main driving force behind a lot of these policies is, you know, it's not right that you and I live in certain areas and other people want to live in those areas too, but they can't afford to live there. So that's not fair. So we need to force housing to be developed. And part of the problem with this whole issue is the fact that you don't have the infrastructure, excuse me, you don't have the infrastructure to be able to make it work. A lot of people are going to need mass transportation. A lot of people that live in highly, highly populated areas rely on mass transit because it's easier. Um, They don't have to worry about parking a car on a street or maintaining a a car on the street because a lot of people don't have off-street parking. Um, You look at particularly the majority of homes in my area, uh, in fact, all of them, there is no public water and sewer. It's all septic systems and wells. You can't expect to have high density living in an area where you cannot support paying for water supply and sewer. It's it's insanely expensive to put that that kind of stuff in or where, where it doesn't exist or transportation. Uh, yeah, and then and then you know you look at having to change the way you know getting transportation to and from areas. Um, you know, there's a lot of different reasons as to why, and and that's why we have. When I was in college studying environmental science, we talked about zoning. You have that's why you have zoning laws, because there are certain areas that it makes sense to have certain types of of use development there, and there's other areas where you go, yeah, probably not a good idea because coming out and this is the interesting part with all of this with mandated. If they have mandated uh, housing rules, which is what um, they are proposing, the Democrats are proposing with these mandated uh, housing rules, you would have to, as a township, they would have to find a way to provide whatever needed to be provided, regardless of expense. Boy, I tell you, boy, that's that's a terrible idea. You thoughtfully put that together and unpack that in that very thoughtfully. I'll tell you what, because it truly is. And I think that the the thing of it is, is the reason that the the reason that they're you know that the the system has broken down in these cities. There is no work in these cities. Okay, the education's broken down in these cities, so the workforce is not even educated in these cities. There's a reason we have poverty. Okay, uh, when you don't educate the workforce, when you don't raise academic standards, and when you lower proficiency standards, defined government defined proficiency standards to basically do a bell curve, if you will, so that you can have more inclusion of the failures in the inner city. They can look like they're success. So when someone who would never be counted as a proficient reader or proficient in math suddenly becomes proficient because you've lowered the, you've lowered the bell curve, if you will, you've lowered what, what is the standard that is acceptable as defined as proficient. 
It doesn't make that person more proficient in reading or in math. It just basically makes it so that what you're calling proficient in math and reading is actually not able to read or figure out problems. And that is the problem. You're, you're basically taking a, a society and you've dummied down or re redefined the standards of proficiency so that they will now become labeled as proficient readers, proficient problem solvers. And folks, they're not. Because the government has become their enemy. The government's out there redefining these standards because they don't want to be held accountable for, for ruining the education in these cities. Now, because of the ruined education, because the workforce has been so struggled, the business is left. Okay? And this is what happens. So now what's interesting is their programs, and this is sum it up, the Democrat programs have ruined the inner cities, if you will, ruined life in these cities. And they are allowing the anarchy to reign in these cities. They want to now defund the police in these cities. They want to extend 911 call times. They want to send social workers to, to, to domestic disputes as well as other things. They want to decriminalize disorder crimes. I mean, they want to eliminate gang databases they want to get rid of cash bails and that these policies are ruining life in the cities. And so now what they're doing is they're trying to take that misery and they want to bring it out to the suburbs. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Is this their solution for making their life better in that? Or is it their solution for ruining the middle class in the suburbs as and to do in this and to do in the suburbs what they did in the in the cities, which is basically ruin the lives of people in that? What are you seeing? To wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I would submit it's an equal misery for all. Uh, unless you're part of the elite, then you won't suffer because you'll be taken care of. All you have to do is take a look at, you know, Nancy Pelosi and company, uh, how they, you know, get the things that the rest of us can't uh, can't do. They're allowed to do those things. Um, and, you know, the idea of, of what's happening in our inner cities you know, a lot of people are saying that they don't want to defund the police. That's right. They want the police better trained. They want more of them. They want community policing, which used to work. Community policing was a great idea because you can, you can begin to build relationships with people in the communities. You begin to know what goes on in the communities, and then you can find creative ways to solve them. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that, you know, they... The, honestly, the, the Democrats are not looking to solve any of these issues, because if we solve issues within the police department, if there are issues where there is racism or if there is other issues that are going on, that takes away the job of the people that complain about them all the time. What are they going to do? Right. You know, and, and I think that's why a lot of politicians kick the can down the road, because they want to make sure they stay employed for another you know, two or four or six years. Because right. they realize if they don't if they don't solve the problems, people are going to continue to put them back in office. And, you know, my perspective is I want to work my way out of a job. I'd love to be able to say, yep, we don't have any more of these big problems. We can just relax. And, you know, I mean, they'll always be there, obviously. But to a certain degree, the things that have not changed in the last 5, 10, 15, 20, and in the case of Joe Biden, 47 years in, in office. <laughs> 44 years in office 
Right. And now he's got all the answers to come in and fix everything. Well, where have you been for 40 plus years? If you well, had, he had the power, he had the influence, he had the ability to, to really make things different, but he didn't take advantage of it. I agree. He and took that, advantage of it, but not to make things better. Well, we are out of time. Folks, we have unpacked that truth in rapid succession today. And I think we did it. Sufficiently, and when Annette and I generally unpack something, no sufficient, no, no further unpacking is needed. I think we did very well with that, folks. Explaining the unexplainable, but folks, we are out of time. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. See you next week on The Watchman every Saturday right here on 1180 WFYL at 1 p.m. That's when our show airs. Uh, many of our audience listens to us in the listening area just by tuning in, but others pick us up by going to the Listen Live links that are on our website, 11awfyl.com. And you can also go to uh, youtube.com and actually search us, 11awfyl, and click Listen Live there. Either way, or you can wait for the podcast that our expert producers and directors put up right after the show. Uh, many, of them, uh, many of our listeners choose to pick up the podcast right after the show. However you choose to listen to us, thank you for being there. Thank you for being with us and taking the time to spend with us. That's why Annette and I do this. Thank you, folks, for being with us. See you next week on The Watchman. For Annette Baker, I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.